Welcome to Squawk. My name is Luke Betzner, and I've got my guest, Dr. Brian Nixon. And as you know, if you've listened to our other podcasts, we are here to squawk about questions that people have squawked at us about. So I hope you enjoyed as much as we do. That being said, we have a die roll. We debuted this last week, and I've got, I believe it's called a decadohedron. Oh, either a dodecahedron is 20 or a decadohedron is 12. I might have the, the name a little bit wrong here, but it's a hedron with 12 sides. We'll just put it that way. And you're going to hear it because we're going to roll it live. And then we're going to pick one of the 12 questions. We have far more than 12, but I've only listed 12. And we're going to get right into what does the Bible say about these questions that have been brought to us. So here we go. Question number four. What do I have here? Oh, this is a good one. Not that they're not good ones. Is salvation forever? Is salvation forever? Well, I would have to say, again, like we normally do this, Luke, at least you and I, I know you and Nelson probably have a little bit different format, but we like to start off with by giving a, a big picture and then we'll hone it down as we go along and, and dig deeper. Always just give the, the big perspective. So salvation, let, let's just start off by defining, you know, what salvation is. And there's a lot of different terminology that's used biblically for salvation. One is justification, that you've been justified. That's a word that Paul uses frequently in, in relationship to being um, saved. Of course, Jesus himself used the terminology born again or born from above, which is you know uh, 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 the idea of being born again of God, born of the Spirit. And then there's the title of regeneration, and regeneration is also a title um, that that Paul uses and others about someone who has left their old self and have entered in a new a new construct of being alive in Christ. And we could go on and on and on. As you know, Luke, the Bible has a lot of synonyms, similar words used for this concept of salvation. But I think just to be, you know, basic, we should start with Jesus. And Jesus used the word, you know, born again. And we know the story well. Someone approached Jesus and said, hey, how do I enter in the kingdom of God? And Jesus gave this a little analogy of, well, you have to be born again. You have to, you have to be born from above, which is the literal transliteration of that. So that moment that someone is born again would start the salvation process, let's say. So the question I think, Luke, that we have to ask ourselves, you know, and, and really talk about also for our listening audience is, how does someone become born again? If Jesus says we must be born again, how does someone become born again? Well, again, the Bible's pretty clear. You believe, you receive Jesus as Lord, as Savior. Believe on in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved, is what Scripture tells us. And over and over, that's reiterated. So we know belief has different, you know, layers and levels. We won't get into all that today. Basically, belief is a heartfelt assent of saying what you say 
and what you did is true, and I'm going to place my trust in that. And so at that moment, that person is a, a Christian. They're, they believed the Holy Spirit comes into their life, inhabits that person, and they are saved. So that's the big picture. So, you know, we defined our terms here, at least a, 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 yes. a, a little bit of, of, of what is salvation, because there's some people out there that have different ideas, a little bit of different ideas. And let me just hit on a couple of them. I won't, sure. I won't exhaust this, you know, to, to <laughs> add infinitum. But, you know, some people believe that you are saved the moment you're baptized. You know, it's baptismal regeneration is what is right. what it's commonly you know known as. And again, a lot of people, well, that's a Roman Catholic thing. It's not just Roman Catholics. Okay. There, are, there are sec- segments of Protestantism that believe that as well. That you are saved when you're baptized. There's a lot of problems with that, Luke, as you know. Um, the thief Absolutely. on the cross, he wasn't baptized, but Jesus said, "Today you will be with me in paradise." Um, Paul went around and said, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you guys when they were bickering and fighting. So if baptism was tied to salvation, why in the world would Paul say, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you? So clearly, baptism is not tied to salvation. Baptism is a response of salvation. The fact that we have been or have been born again or have become believers, therefore, as a step of obedience— we are we are baptized, so it's definitely not um, that we would believe it's not tied to to baptism. I think the other thing that we have to clarify when it comes to salvation is that it is an instantaneous act, but it is an act that has lifelong ramifications, not eternal ramifications. We're we're getting to that question here. But it has lifelong ramifications. So the moment we're saved, we continue in what's called the sanctification process. Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So people are scratching in their head and going, but I, I thought I was saved. I thought, so how am I working out my salvation? Well, we're saved unto good works. We're saved to do and to work for kingdom principles, to, to work for the kingdom of God. So the moment we're saved, that instantaneous, we're regenerated, we're justified, but then the salvation process continues. Though there are some groups out there that would say, you really don't know if you're saved. So other people connect it to baptism. You're not saved till you're baptized. Then there's another group that says, you really don't know if you're saved. You just got to continue to do good things. And then hopefully at the end, you're going to be saved. And we at Calvary College would not agree with that sentiment right. because we would say clearly a person who has put their trust and faith and believed in the, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, they shall be saved. The scripture is clear of that. However, we're to work out our salvation in that it's the sanctification process of the believer. So all that said and done, that lays the groundwork for what we'll talk about. But Luke, did you have some input on on some of these? I think it was a great call out because based on what someone believes salvation to be, I'll just put it this way. The longevity of salvation is predicated on what its 
definition is mm -hmm. and upon whose effort or upon uh, it rests. Right. If it's on Christ, that changes from, is it upon my own efforts? And I think that there's much of the systems that you described that point to singular acts that men can do, whether in obedience to religious uh, authority that's presented at the time or a particular viewpoint of Scripture that says, I've done, I've checked these boxes, mm -hmm. therefore I've done these deeds, and it's a meritorious idea. Mm -hmm. And the Bible and this is what we teach here as well. The Bible does not look fondly upon the actions of men. There's not a there's not a bank account where you're piling up good deeds mm -hmm. that God eventually notices and says, "Oh, well, you're good enough. Let me take you to heaven." Right. And so I think it was an absolutely excellent call out. The salvation that we are speaking of is narrowly defined as what does the Bible say constitutes salvation for a person. Right. How can a person know they're right with God? Mm -hmm. And one other concept I want to throw out there, or term really, we talked about justification and we talked about regeneration. Justification is intimately tied to this as is regeneration, but I want to throw the word righteousness out mm -hmm. there as well, because I think that's going to be one of the centers of the conversation as we continue to unpack this. But, um, I think that that's all I have to contribute at the time yep. being. So we get back to the question, and it's not baptismal regeneration. It's not a, a meritorious perseverance. Right. This is talking about once someone has accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, and by that we mean placing their faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ as stated in Scriptures for, for reference. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 3 gives you a gospel in a nutshell. Placing your faith in the finished work of Christ, as is described in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, where, you know, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then verse 13, of course, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is the salvation that we are speaking of. And we're answering the question, is that that relationship yeah. that begins with God is that forever. Yeah. And I like that you you delineated that Luke that it really does begin with God because your know, salvation is an act of God by his grace bestowed upon humanity who believe and receive in Jesus Christ. So he takes us Paul uses the words he transposes us, he transfers us from darkness to light. We get a new perspective, so to say. You know, the 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 shells of the eyes are, mm -hmm. are, are the shells of the heart are are dropped off. And Romans six twenty three clearly are, articulates that, and that's based upon the atoning sacrifice of of what of what Christ did. It may be also good for our listeners to to just understand that uh, salvation in systematic theology has its own department, if you will. Right. It, it has its own <laughs> has its own little uh, segment. It's called, it's called soteriology in, mm. in systematic theology. So uh, soteria means, well, salvation. So soteriology is the study of salvation. And it looks at these core, you know, subjects and topics we've talked about redemption and justification and, and righteousness and all of these type of things. So 
if someone is really interested in in you know tracing this and understanding the various views of 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 salvation and soteriology we would of course invite them to calvary college and attend one of i think it's it, it's uh, nelson walker's uh, theology class yes. you also are teaching and so it's it's definitely worth people to to dig into so but back to the question is salvation forever and i'm going to qualify this with a, a level of humility and that is i believe that salvation unequivocally is forever so yes but i want to qualify it by saying so long as that person has a genuine relationship with god through yes. christ because let me let me define something here luke that i think a lot of people get confused, particularly in America. Mm. And I believe it was Ed Stetzer who who defined the three category uh, three categories as such. You know, there's a lot of people who are um, cultural Christians. You know, I was born in America. My grandmother was a Christian, therefore I'm a Christian. And as you and I both know, cultural Christians are not necessarily, you know, Christians. Just because you're born in America or, you know, your grandparents or your parents are Christians doesn't mean you're a Christian. There's there's a good statement that I want to confirm with that where I heard, I, I don't even know where I originally heard it, but it said, God has no grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good application to cultural Christianity. Right. And even secondly, and, and this, this one's a little bit, you know, a little bit, you know, harder to define. But I believe Stetzer used the second step is, you know, there's those cultural Christians and then there's the congregational Christians. Mm -hmm. And some people think, well, just because I was born Baptist, you know, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm a Christian. You know, my, I came from a Baptist family or I'm Presbyterian and we're God's chosen, frozen, you know, right. <laughs> and or I was brethren or, you know, you fill in the gap. And again, though we would say those congregational Christians have been exposed to the gospel and may know, let's say, a general understanding of the gospel, doesn't necessarily mean they've assented, they've placed their trust in Christ. Right. So we have to make sure that when we're talking about, you know, salvation, we're not talking about cultural Christians per se, right. and we're not even necessarily talking about congregational Christians, though I love the body of Christ and I love the diversity of all the different denominations and, and, and I, I, there, there's something special about them. But what we're referring to, that salvation is applicable to the believer forever, is that third category that Ed Stetzer said, and that's convictional Christians. Those who have the conviction in their heart that they've received Christ as Lord, that they're doing their best to follow him. Again, recognizing we're not perfect, recognizing right. we're still a work in progress, that that sanctification progress uh, process I talked about. But it's those convictional Christians that we would say salvation is forever. So I would take the standpoint that the moment you are saved, the moment you become a born-again Christian, it is forever. Now, obviously, Luke, you and I both know that there is a contingency of Christians, 
fellow Christians who believe that individuals can lose their salvation. And there are some interesting passages in Scripture that would seem to indicate that someone can lose their salvation. I always kind of liked how Pastor Chuck Smith, when I did the radio with him for for many years, he would always say, oh, uh, I don't think someone could lose their salvation, but they could leave it, meaning, a.k.a. they're backslidden. You know, they're, they're at a point where maybe they have that that conviction they made they they pronounced their their faith and trust in Christ and they're walking great and then then something in life occurs they just lose interest they stop reading their bible they stop going to church and then pretty soon they've left you know this it doesn't mean necessarily that god's finished with that person it just means that person is wandered off the path well, let me let me pose the question in another way because I I absolutely agree with that juxtaposition within what we would consider the Christian community. I do not think that just because someone believes that they can lose their salvation that they're not a Christian. Right. I believe exactly that right. there are many denominations that teach salvation in such a way that allows people to think that they have lost their salvation because it wasn't what the Bible said it was in the first place, right. and we've already covered that. But to ask the question another way, is it possible that something as momentous as what the Bible describes salvation to be can actually be reversed or can be undone? And I think that that becomes a more aggressive question. It's like, if this has actually happened, can this be undone? Can you be unborn from above? Can you be taken from the kingdom of God and put back into the kingdom of Satan? Or as some might say, can you, you know, it says that no one can take you out of God's hand, but some people have come along and said, well, that doesn't mean you can't take yourself out. Yeah. No one else can do it, but you can do it. Right. And so there's these objections yeah. well, that I think might feed into where this question came from. Yeah. And, and as you and I both know, Luke, very well, that the idea of, Man's free will or predestination has a long and strenuous history throughout the <laughs> Christian on strenuous. <laughs> yeah, strenuous, long debates. As a matter of fact, you know, one of the even though it went in there, there was debate before this, but one of the first public debates on this was in the three hundreds between Augustine of of Hippo and Pelagius of Britain. Right, Pelagius taking the idea that no man has free will, and and Augustine taking a more a more, not a hardened predestination position, but definitely a more, hey, no, you, you know, God God has predestined you. And that's for another topic. I'm sure we'll get into that topic there. But when it comes to the position, can someone lose their salvation? I think you, 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 you put it eloquently. And that is, why would God who continually lo- is is loving towards you know you and you've made that descent why would he pluck you out and then the other thing is well why would god then say okay i'm filling you with my holy spirit okay no just 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 kidding here we're, we're going right. to take it back out and that that of course is the dilemma and that's why so many people have you know bantered back and forth over this important topic as free will versus versus um, predestination. But I, again, this is just me. I think the love of God for his 
you know, the, his church, for his people, that once you make that convictional trust that I believe in Jesus Christ, I am following him, that the, the I will just take Jesus at face value, that no one's going to pluck him from his hands. And Jesus has a strong grip, you know, right. on, on, on us. And, you know, there are times I know in my own life where you're just blowing it or you're, you're being mad or you're speeding down the freeway and you're breaking <laughs> the laws and, you know, cussing at people and what have you. And you're going, oh, man, I'm just blowing it. Even in those moments, you know, I believe the Lord is, you know, okay, let's, let's, let's straighten you up. Let's, let's clean you up. But even though I believe that, I know a whole contingency of fellow believers who, you know, they'll, they'll turn to Hebrews and they'll say, so what exactly then is this scripture verse referencing if it's not referencing a real believer? And, you know, we could discuss and dialogue on it, but it, it really is for a, a, let's say, robust discussion. I, I just want to say one thing about that verse, the one that usually says, and if they shall fall away, it's impossible to restore them again mm -hmm. to a place of repentance. There's something that doesn't usually get said by folks who teach this verse as indicative of someone losing their salvation, and that that word, fall away, is not the word apostasia. Mm -hmm. It is the word that's taken from parapipto, mm -hmm. which simply means to stumble. Right. It doesn't mean what it talks about in First Thessalonians, where it says there shall come a great falling away. Maybe Second Thessalonians, um, there shall come a great falling away, and that word there, apostasia. But this word is not, and so that's the word from which we get the idea of apostate. So it doesn't mean if someone should apostatize, then it's impossible for them to ever be saved again. Mm -hmm. Right, which is how that verse is often taught. Just throwing that out there for those of you who want to dig a little bit deeper, every verse that is exegetically examined in context, both the immediate and broader context of Scripture, you'll find that things that have been exaggerated about how easy it is to walk away from a relationship with God have been just that, very exaggerated. Right. Yeah, and I think, you know— Here's kind of how I've dealt with it over the years. And believe me, I, you know, I've attended two, three different seminaries and I've, I've, I've discussed and dialogued with other believers regarding this topic multiple times. I mean, and there was a while that I was really digging deep into this, you know, really trying to, you know, figure this out. And I just realized, okay. 2,000 years we've been dis dialoguing discussion. It's worth, and it's an important discussion to right. have. But if we haven't really been able to solve it adequately for 2,000 years, I'm not going to get continually tripped up on this. I'm going to ask myself, okay, rather than determining if I can lose my salvation or I can't lose my salvation, why don't I learn to walk? better in my salvation, walk better in the Spirit, to live the Christian life. Rather, you know, I, I heard a position one time this way, when people were, were um, you know, bickering and fighting over these, these you know, again, important topics, but still right. just fighting and dividing. And someone just kind of said, well, while you guys are learning how to, 
you know, are figuring all this out and, and fighting over this. I'm just still trying to love God and love other people. When I got that finished, when I finished that, I'll, I'll deal with this other stuff, you know. And his <laughs> point is, get back to basics. Get back to the, the principles of loving God and loving other people, of, you know, walking in the spirit, of, of you know, seeking a fruitful life for your life. Um, and, and again, not to say those other topics aren't important because we, both you and I do believe they are important, Luke, Absolutely. and so does, so does Calvary College. But there's a point where, you know, you could just start talking to hear yourself talk versus making some inroads and some progress. And I think it's a really important point because having had those conversations yourself, I know I've had a number of those, some of them with people that were very, very close friends. Mm -hmm. And being new to that conversation, it's like, well, is this a matter about which I need to separate, right? And yep. so you, you feel the tension of, well, I feel bound to this person regardless of the fact that they disagree with me on this particular issue. And that brings a lot of tension in. So it's definitely something that people have classically divided over. But I think the call out to say, if this person has truly put their faith and trust in Christ, then these folks that believe that they can do something to somehow make God love them less or to have them drop out of the the folks that are considered to be a family of God, they're going to need the encouragement of their brothers and sisters who do not believe in that fashion and probably a consistent witness in that both in lifestyle and in word is going to make the difference in bringing them to a place of solid confidence yeah. in the work of Christ. Yeah. And so one of the gentlemen that I spoke to about this, he was a, a colleague from a number of years ago. He said something so interesting. He said, if it's not forever, it's not salvation. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, if you think about what salvation actually does for the individual believer, then you would have to say, if that's not something that is eternal, if it's not eternal life, both qualitatively and quantitatively, then at that point, what is it exactly that you're getting? Right. If you're not saved, if you're only saved from wrath for a period of time and not forever, right. are you truly saved? Right. It's just a matter of yeah. when, not if. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and there's no blessed hope in that. I mean, if, right. if if eternity is like, oh, I may I, I may lose it here, you know, this type of thing, and that that to me goes against you know the love of God for for His church for His people. But I'm I am going to just because we've mentioned it a couple of times, sure. Luke, and I know we're wrapping up here. But for our listeners, Hebrews six um, is is really one of the 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 keystone verses that people turn to who say that they could that Christians can lose their salvation. And really if you back up to chapter 5, the writer of Hebrews is talking about spiritual immaturity. Mm. And then you go into chapter 6 and he begins chapter 6 by saying therefore leaving this discussion of the elementary principles of Christ let us go on to perfection not laying again the foundation of repentance from the dead works of faith. And, and, and he goes on. But then in verse 4, he says, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, and that's the, the word that you were referencing there, if they fall away to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again, 
for themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. So that is really one of the major verses that people who believe that a Christian could you know, lose their salvation sometime in life. So the individuals who believe that, they believe that salvation right. is not forever. Right. Whereas it, people who believe in what we call perseverance of the saints, the idea that once you're truly saved, that convictional Christian we talked about, once you're that, you will never be plucked out from Christ's hands. He will, his grip is strong. He will there. You may have bad days. You may have sinful days. You may go through whole seasons of your life, but in the end, you will be saved. And so that verse, though we don't have time to exegete it right now and really look at it, but that is the verse that really causes Christians in the camp who say you can lose your salvation. They usually go to this verse. And generally speaking, uh, two of the main interpretations are, number one, that this is not talking about a true born-again believer, that it's talked about someone who, what we classified as a cultural or congregational Christian. Right. They attend church, they've seen it, they've seen, um, they've sung songs with everyone else, and they've, they've, you know, experienced the Holy Spirit's work, maybe not necessarily in their own life, but they've seen it and so on and so forth. So it's really talking about one of those first two categories that we talked about and not necessarily the third category. Another way to approach Hebrews 6 is, yeah, it's not talking about a true Christian or it's secondly talking about what we would call a a deluded Christian, someone who, who thinks they are, but have really never made that commitment. And, you know, and that's really hard to determine, you know, right. that's really between the person and, and the Lord, but someone who says, yeah, yeah, I'm, I, I made that in, but they really don't have a, a full comprehension of it. Again, we don't have time to unpack both of those views, but I just wanted to put it out here. Those are two of the most common, someone who absolutely knows they're not a Christian, but they've seen and they've experienced church life and so on and so forth, but you know they're, they're denying it. And then those who think they're a Christian, but really are not, that they're like, oh, I guess I never really did make that decision. So again, those are just two of the common ways to handle it, but there's so much more depth that could be said to each of those. But absolutely to, to round up, I, and this is me, this is Brian Nixon talking. You know, I don't represent, you know, Luke or Nelson or Cal, all the teachers at Calvary College. But I believe that once that person truly believes in Jesus Christ and they've placed their trust in him and they seek to honor him, to work for the kingdom, to be part of the kingdom, I believe the moment they make that decision, that decision is forever, that they are literally transposed, transferred from the darkness to the light, and then they're on the trajectory through the sanctification process, being conformed more and more into the image of Christ until the point we're glorified. Amen to that. And I, I would agree with you, and I would close with what I typically use to give to folks to chew on who are thinking about this. What's the main reason that we need salvation? It's sin. Mm -hmm. That's why we need to be saved. So how is it that the Lord would grant us salvation for the very reason they're saying he takes it from us? Mm -hmm. It's a contradictory understanding. 
If salvation is needed for sin, then salvation could not be lost because of it, or else it would never have needed to have been given in the first place. And so in that regard, I would say absolutely I agree. Salvation is according to what we believe Scripture to say it is forever, even though there's nuance, even though there's disagreement. Those things themselves are not determinative of what the Bible itself says. They are ways in which people have viewed Scripture. But the position of Calvary College, as well as, to my knowledge, all of the folks who teach within the college, we believe that salvation is forever, because that's what we believe the Bible to say. So thank you for listening. If you have additional questions, please write to us. We'd love to hear from you at calvary.college at calvaryabq.org. Again, that's calvary.college at calvaryabq.org. This has been Squawk, and we appreciate you listening, and we will see you next time.